in 2023, I did an episode called Keep It Simple Stupid, the three fund portfolio. And I'm a big believer in the three fund portfolio. I have not recommended it because I'm not a financial advisor anymore and I can't give financial advice. And I have talked to different friends and colleagues about the benefits of a three fund portfolio, getting broad diversification with total market exposure to both stocks, to bonds, and to either international or value-based strategies, all using just three ETFs or three mutual funds. You can get an extremely diversified, growth-oriented portfolio that kind of fits many, 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 many needs, if not everybody. I started doing an episode very specifically around a three-fund portfolio for Australia. They're using Australian products. And I know that I'm very aware of my bias towards the S&P 500 fund, America's top 500 companies. Long term, the S&P has done very well. It's You can basically bank on the S&P putting out at least 10% per year over 10-year time horizon, like statistically looking back at that. You can worry about the national debt and some other things. I know there's, a, there's always uncertainties, but if you keep your head down and your dollar cost average into something like the S&P 500, things are going to do well. Not to mention, it gives you a broad, diverse kind of asset classes and sectors where when you look at something like the ASX, it's very much financials and uh, mining companies, and it just seems less diversified than the S&P. So anyway, I say all that to say, I started putting together a three-fund portfolio that was Australian-based, and it, in that kind of research, in that digging, it realized that maybe you have something even more simple, even easier to access, something that you can invest in today, Something that promises to be a one-stop shop from the surface and in digging in, it kind of looks to be true. So what is this even simpler, even stupider portfolio compared to the three fund portfolio? Well, they are diversified ETFs and diversified ETFs based in Australia. So today we are going to look at the two most famous diversified ETFs and we're going to compare them side to side. We are comparing beta shares versus Vanguard we're comparing DHHF versus VDHG. Let's get into it. You are listening to This Is Investing, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's learn about diversified ETFs. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. So the ETF industry has evolved dramatically since its humble beginnings back in the late 80s, early 90s. The early time you just had vanilla, boring ETFs that tracked indexes, like the ones that I still hold dear and true to my heart, like the S&P 500 or the ASX 200. And then you had kind of some smart ETFs, some active ETFs, and in America, I think maybe I might even do an episode on it in the coming months, coming out with a target date ETF, which is basically 
you say, or a lifestyle ETF. I want to retire in the year 2050, and this ETF creates a portfolio and rebalances automatically for you to get to that. So things have come a long way. But now, possibly, the best iteration of the all-in-one ETF is the diversified ETF, or maybe also known as the multi-asset ETF. A diversified ETF offers exposure to multi-place asset classes through a blend of low-cost ETFs. So it's an ETF using ETFs, a fund of funds, as we used to call it when I was investment advising back in the day. And taking this innovation one step further, a diversified growth ETF is a diversified ETF that predominantly or exclusively invests in shares, assets, and ETFs that are investing in those. So let's talk about quickly the advantages and disadvantages of diversified ETFs, and then we'll kind of dig in and compare the two hottest names in the market, the beta shares versus the Vanguard. One of the fundamentals of intelligent investing, as you probably know, is diversification. And while many investors understand the importance of investing in shares for long-term wealth accumulations, less or maybe fewer less appreciate the importance of doing so with a broad line or diversified portfolio. For example, many investors may only invest in a small number of individual shares, and possibly you might only be investing in Australian share market. Where diversification, as the three-fund portfolio was talking about, means spreading your investments widely, such as across multiple geographic regions, outside of the borders of just Australia, into diverse different types of investments through financials, through mining, through tech stocks. You know, you've got all sorts of ways to diversify. And when you start thinking about like, well, how can I diversify properly? And what is the best thing for me to diversify in? And all these questions start building up. You're thinking, is there just something that can do it for me? Well, that's the claim that diversified ETFs are making. In a diversified share portfolio, and one portion of the portfolio performs poorly over a certain amount of time, this hopefully can get offset by better performance in another part of the portfolio. You're less likely to suffer large, huge drawdowns in a more diversified portfolio because if the portfolio includes many different sectors from the business cycle, as tech stocks might be doing poorly, bonds might be pulling you up. As consumer retail might be doing great, well, something else might be pulling you down. I mean, diversification sometimes means balancing to the mean, but I think most people want to see that. Most people want a 10, 11, a 12% return without huge ups and huge downs in between. In 2023, for instance, the Bank of America, which is a large bank in the United States of America, not to be confused with like the treasury, this is an individual retail bank and commercial bank. Bank of America ended the year with like a 4% return, 4%. But if you looked at the actual stock and if you were a shareholder of Bank of America, you'd have been at one point been up 22% and at one point been down 51% all to end the year 4% positive. So a diversified portfolio should just get you to that end of the year with less huge ups and less huge downs. And that's kind of, I think, the thought process behind these diversified ETFs. They're looking at ETFs and saying, how can we already use these already diversified ETFs, put them into one ETF to give you broad exposure, broad diversification, and broad growth without all the huge ups and the huge downs. So beyond diversification, the benefits of a diversified ETF are they're practical as well. They rebalance everything for you. Uh, they look at the underlying exposures, and it's done at the fund level, meaning the investor, you the investor, you don't need to lift your finger at all. When you buy a diversified ETF, 
uh, it's supposed to do those rebalancing for you. Potential downside of this feature is that diversified ETFs are relatively rigid. The underlying exposure is set by the provider, which means that the investor, you don't have discretion or flexibility as to choose what is happening within the ETF itself, but you can just have the ETF as a larger position in your portfolio. It doesn't have to be your whole portfolio. In fact, it probably shouldn't be. So you can add some satellite exposures to your core holding if this indeed you think is a good fit for your core holding. So let's get in. Let's actually take a closer look at, let's start with beta shares, diversified all growth ETF, the DHHF. And the ultimate benefit of the diversified ETF should be to reduce the amount of time, money, and complexity that it's going to take you to kind of build this thing together. And that's what these two products are claiming to offer you, a better understanding of how this growth-oriented ETF looks. So today we're going to try to get a better understanding between beta shares versus Vanguard and how these growth-oriented diversified ETFs work. So I actually have the funds fact sheet. I've got both of the fact sheets in front of me as well as some data from Yahoo Finance. And I just want to go over some of the pros and some of the cons and the basic info on each fund. So let's get started. They are both diversified and designed to be diversified for investors seeking exposure to a global stocks portfolio in a single ASX trade. The ETFs achieve this by investing in underlying funds that are in a blend of large, mid, and small cap companies from Australia and the United States and some emerging markets. Let's get into five different kind of things that we're going to look at. Objectives of the funds, strategies of the funds, annual performance of the funds, cost, and then finally, asset allocation. So before we get into the fact sheets, let's take a quick break. I will get my paperwork together and we will be right back. 
expenses and taxes. Okay, so the you know, beta shares gives you a little bit more straightforward than Vanguard, but synthesizing through the two, I believe they're basically saying the same thing. It's a fairly risky, high growth potential, balanced, not balanced, but diversified portfolio. Take away the word balanced, high growth with some diversification. Okay, now let's look at the strategies, the strategies of each fund. The strategy of the beta shares DHHF is an all-in-one investment solution concentrated on using a passive blend of cost-effective ETFs traded on the ASX and other global exchanges. The DHHF has a 100% allocation to shares and is invested in a blend of large, mid, and small cap equities from Australia, globally developed, and emerging markets, offering investors exposure to an all-cap and all-world share portfolio with the purchase of just one click. The ETF provides exposure to approximately 8,000 equity securities listed on over 60 global exchanges, all in one ASX trade. 8,000 is very diversified when you compare that to one of my retirement accounts where I have just six different shares or six different companies invested. Uh, 8,000 is pretty more diversified. All right, let's look at the Vanguard. VDHG. VDHG provides low-cost access to a range of sector funds offering broad diversification across multiple asset classes. The high-growth ETF invests mainly in growth assets and is designed for investors with a high tolerance for risk who are seeking a long-term capital growth. The ETF targets a 10% allocation to income asset classes and a 90% allocation to growth asset classes. I'm digging it. Get a little bit more, maybe some nuance in terms of the description between Vanguard, but I would say on a whole, you're, we're learning as we go. Let's get to number three. Annual performance, because this is the place where most people start, right? <laughs> when you're thinking like, okay, I need something, what did the best? And that's, reminder friends, that's not a great way to pick an ETF or any investment, what did the best, but that's what sells, so let's talk about it. Number three, annual performance. Let's check out beta shares. Beta shares, year to date in 2023, was around 8% performance. In 2022, they were down 8%. And in 2021, they were up 22.31%. Comparing that to the Vanguard VDHG, the year to date in 2023 was about 5.78%. So a little bit less than beta shares. The 2022 is down 9.48%, a little bit worse than beta shares. And 2021, they came in at 1942 so again, a little bit less, not a ton, but if you're going to hold one of these for 10, 15, 20 years, 3% per year really does add up. So I don't know, as we'll find out if beta shares is quite a bit more aggressive or what's going on, because number four, when you're looking at the costs, Vanguard is a little bit higher, but let's stick with our plan. We got beta shares, the management fees for beta shares is 0.19%, which is the lowest fee among the all-in-one diversified ETFs. And that is true because when I look at the Vanguard sheet, it's 0.27, which again, isn't terrible, but you are paying more for the Vanguard and you're getting less performance. So something to think about there. Let's look at what's really important in driving a fund. If you have bad investments and you have bad asset allocation, perhaps that is where some of the portfolio is falling down. So is Vanguard have worse investments or objectively worse? Let's find out. When you jump into the asset allocation of the beta shares, I find this incredibly 
almost funny, really, <laughs> but insightful at least, because the asset allocation of the beta shares DHHF is as follows. It's 36% Australian equities, 37% U.S. equities, about 19% developed markets, excluding the United States, and then about 7% of emerging markets. You have all of the sectors. I mean, you've got financials, information technology, materials, healthcare, industrials, consumer discretionary, staples, services, energy, and other. You've got, what do they say, 60 different countries, countries being Australia, United States, Japan, China, Britain, Canada, France, India, Germany, and other. But the thing that I found most interesting when we are looking at the beta shares diversified all growth ETF, Comparing it to the Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF, the number one holding in the beta shares Diversified All Growth ETF is VTI, which is a Vanguard Total Market Fund. So beta shares, biggest competitor Vanguard, they're using Vanguard and they're outperforming Vanguard. What an interesting little turn of events. So beta shares is made up as follows. 38% in Vanguard's VTI, which is a total market fund. 36% in the A200 fund. They have 19% in the Spider Dividend World Fund. And then 7% in the Spider Emerging Markets Fund. So Vanguard Total Market and A200 uh, Developed World Fund and an Emerging Market Fund. That's what Those four funds give you... 8,000 companies, 60 different countries, 11 different sectors, and a pretty strong performance when you're looking at those numbers. So now let's compare that to the Vanguard Diversified High Growth Index ETF, the VDHG. The VDHG, if you recall, in the like when they were talking about their fund themselves, the strategy of the fund, they did mention asset classes and asset allocation differently. So I think as we get into this particular asset allocation, we're going to see a few different things. The, the beta share seems to be like a keep it simple, stupid four fund portfolio, almost like what I was talking about at the beginning with a three fund. Beta shares, basically, they probably listened to my episode last year and they're like, that's genius, Nick. Let's create an ETF of ETFs doing something very similar. And then they created this ETF probably just by listening to me. Maybe not. Anyway, the Vanguard, on the other hand, seems to be a little bit more complicated. The asset allocation for the VDHG goes as follows. They have a chunk in growth assets and then they have a chunk in income assets. So the growth assets versus the income assets, as you would think, have kind of different goals. The one is trying to grow the portfolio, and that is 90% of the portfolio, or almost 90%, is in growth-oriented ETFs. So they have the Vanguard Australian Shares Index, which is 36% of the fund. The Vanguard International Shares Index, which is 27% of the fund. The Vanguard International Shares Index, which is hedged, which means they're buying it with Australian currency, 16% of the fund. The Vanguard International Small Companies Index, which is about 7% of the fund. And then the other 5% of the fund is the Vanguard Emerging Markets Shares Index. And when I'm saying fund, that's of that 90% of the growth chunk. And then they have 10% of the fund in income assets. So they have a Vanguard Global Aggregate Bond Index Fund, which is hedged, so they're using the AUD. And then the Vanguard Australian Fixed Interest Index Fund, which is 3%. So 90% of the fund is in diversified Australian, international, and emerging markets funds, both large, mid, and small cap. And then 10% is based in bond and fixed income. 
So that definitely explains why they would be off 2 or 3% in certain years because they're holding some fixed income to help kind of sway those huge swings that you can see in growth-oriented portfolios. Now let's look back at the performance real quick. You've got the year-to-dates were you know, off about 2%. Interestingly, the beta shares did better in 2022. You'd think that those bonds would have helped mitigate some of those costs. But bonds got crushed in 2022 because 2022 wasn't just your run-of-the-mill down bear market. 2022 bear market happened. Central banks around the world were raising rates. And as you raise rates, current bonds are worth less. So the Vanguard was actually brought down by those bonds in 2022 that were supposed to be there to help stabilize the fund. So as they were down 9.48% in 2022, and the beta shares was only 8.4% negative, I bet it's the actual 10% of the bonds of the VDHG that brought down the fund. Now, that being said, you're buying this to get high growth and diversification. So I would say between the two, it seems like because of the asset allocation, the VDHG gives you that 10% bonds, which shouldn't happen probably again in quite a long time where uh, bonds are hit so poorly because it now looks like central banks around the world are beginning to slow down. They've brought inflation back down and they see cuts on the horizon, not interest rising rates. So that actually should help the bond portfolio and potato, potato, truly at the end of the day. I mean, my final thoughts on this, wrapping this up is diversified growth ETFs, I think are a one-stop solution for investors who don't want to go through the hassle of picking a long list of stocks or single asset ETFs. Even like in my portfolios, I've got six or seven different ETFs that probably could have some sort of overlap. And, you know, I took a long time kind of thinking about where diversified high growth ETF, like one of these two, either of these two, I think really does make a lot of sense. And if I was in the Australian market, I'd probably be looking at adding something like this into my portfolio because they offer low cost for fees. They offer you good diversification, at least in the growth market. They have automatic rebalancing. Seems like a good fit. It'd be something that I'd be interested in, but are they a fit for your portfolio? Well, friend, that is up to you. I do the show, you do the final choices, and that leaves you the final word. So thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to This Is Investing, the show where I search the financial world, both the United States, Australian, for the best income streams, the most up-to-date market ideas, and just different great ways for you and I to make money. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand, This Is Investing, is used under license.